River Church this morning, morning, Sunday morning, Father's Day 2022. And we're so glad you're tuned in. I want to welcome you to our broadcast. So like I was just saying, would you agree with me about happiness? I want to, I want to teach, I want to instruct on happiness because I believe there's a, it's a foundation that we all are looking for, but that we really don't know what we're looking for. Would y'all agree with me that we are all trying or have tried all sorts of things to get happy and it's an experiment, an experimental thing, uh, experimental thing, excuse me. And we just, we stab at this and stab at that and we think, well, uh, if I could just leave my abusive family and get married, well then I'd be happy. Or in my case, I had a high school sweetheart. If we could just get married, if we just had some money, we would, but that was pretty much fixed. Or if I had a high paying job, or if I was well thought of in the community, if I could be a pillar in the community, or if I could be a professional, or I've heard people, maybe you have too, that said they wanted to be a millionaire by 30. And always the extension on that is, is because I'd be happy. If I had a million dollars by 30, I'd retire at 35 and I'd be happy. All of this stuff, everything that we think about people pursuing, things that you and I are pursuing, the end of it is, no matter what the short-term enunciation is of what it, you're after, the end of it is happiness. I said we're all after to be happy. And we, we dread and we jump out of things that we think are unhappy and we get desperate. People do desperate things to avoid unhappiness and I have found that most people don't master the reason that people are happy. So I'd ask you this morning, are you happy? We, we, everybody in this room would say yes. But if I ask you, why are you happy? You might point to some personal or, or uh, thing that happened in your life. Well, I married my sweetheart or I got the job I wanted or I have three lovely kids or whatever and they make me happy. But there's lots of people that have three lovely kids that are not happy. There's people that married their high school sweetheart or whatever that are, they're, they're mad as thunder. And uh, that's not it. So it may have been what you point to and you say work to it. But I'm going to say I think it's something else. I think that's the, that along the way of getting married or having a job or, or being a career person that you're doing what you really love that actually it's not the career, it's not being married. There's something that's underneath that and that if you lost your career or if you, you lost your marriage or something, you could still be happy. If, if we knew what it was that was underneath it. So uh, I think it's quite a life statement, quite a faith statement to say, I am happy all the time. Could you say it with me by faith or whatever you want to do? I am happy all the time. Now, that's almost impossible for most people. Without Jesus, they cannot say it. Because even rich people, we talk about this all the time, even rich people are trying to protect their money and keep somebody from snatching it or stealing it or frauding them or whatever and, and guarding it so nobody will get it. So they're nervous wrecks. I've never been a nervous wreck about protecting my money. Hallelujah. Have you? Not, not necessarily. But it's, I, I, when people, waitresses come up to us, 
to serve us in a restaurant, they are, invariably, you know this, they'll say, how are y'all doing? And I always answer it. I'll say, we are awesome. We are having the best time of our life. Sometimes I tell them we just came from church, so we, we glow. You know, just make some statement. And it always, I'm telling you without exception, it impacts the person that's there. Because they, they'll tell you, I have never heard that from anybody I've waited on. And they'll say that. So it, it, it stops it. Whatever's going on in their life, it stops it and it arrests them to say that they don't have to have a hopeless life. They can be happy because there's one person that they're fixing to wait on that is that claims to be happy. And they might want to know what that secret is. But at least it puts the possibility out there. I am happy all the time. Let's say it again. I am happy all the time. Well, the broadness of that statement is, is that we're happy a lot of the time, but then trouble comes, disaster comes. Jesus said in the world, you'll have tribulation. So how are you going to be happy in tribulation? Well, he said, be of good cheer. Be happy. I've overcome the world. So it doesn't really matter what's come against you. Just go over it, around it, go through it, just whoop it, and you'll still stay happy. The good news is, is the bad news is wrong. So you should concentrate or focus on or give weight to what is it that you find in your own life that makes you seem unhappy. Things that are like uh, Kimberly was talking about, failure. You just have to say, why did the thing that I did that failed, that did not go like I expected, why did I get unhappy about that? What is the base issue? What is the underlying foundation of why that so disappointed me and so made me get into a frump. I wrote a, a wisdom note. I'm, I'm up to 111 now uh, about uh, there's a lot of grumpy old men in this world. And I, the rest of the nugget says, do they think their challenges give them license? Well, we're all in that category. It's like oh, everybody's been raised up to say, don't go in there. Mom is in a bad mood. You know, st step back from the mother, you know, because it's not good. Well, so people are in a bad mood all the time. I remember one time, I've told you this, but it just wiped my mother out. She's a good girl. I, she's, uh, she's such a good woman. But she, there was a mantra at our house, and I hope there is at yours, back when there was milk cartons, do not drink directly out of the milk carton. Everybody knows that. Now, Debbie's family had what they called a tonk jug. And it was full of water and everybody, if you needed a drink, you just go and got in the refrigerator. And it's kind of like kissing a baby. When you kiss a baby on the head, you've kissed everybody in the room. And so she, that, that was the law. Do not drink out of the cart. Well, I came around the corner one day and there she was. She was a chug-a-legging boy. She, and I just looked at her because we just knew thou shalt not transgress had been violated. And she, then she told me that famous line that you've heard. I want you to do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> what else could she say? So she was unhappy that she'd got caught. I was so happy I caught her. <laughs> but we all have stories like that. I want to be happy. I'm in pursuit of it. The, the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence talks about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. 
It's important. It was important 250 years ago. It's important now. And so a lot of the things that we do that are good or misguided, actually, it wasn't that we were bad, that we were rebels. We just didn't. We just was running out of ways to get we thought to get happy. We just didn't know what else to do. So we thought we would do that and maybe that would give us a happy. Happiness is so valuable. We'll almost do anything to get a little dab of it in our life, to just have a, a, a moment of like that really made me happy. I've had some people text me today and and, you know, saying happy Father's Day and and said nice things about me. And it makes me happy, but I was already happy. I hope you're already happy. So we're going to discover some things that are not ever brought up. That if the word of God has got any valid validity to it all, you'd say that's what the Bible says about me being happy because the word wants you happy. I said the word wants you happy. And if we follow the word, we will be happy. You cannot get there better than the word can take you. Amen. So if you would turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter six, it's up on the screen. So you don't have to, but. If you've got one, Matthew chapter six, we've talked about this now. This is the fourth week about I am happy all the time. And so we say, I say, be an uncommon man and be happy all the time. We say be an exceptional woman and be happy all the time. You will stick out. The waitress will hardly believe you when you say. We are so we are doing so good because, frankly, have you met that woman that you ask her, how you doing? And here she comes. She starts telling you about her achy this and her uh, her people that hurt her there. And no, ma'am, it was rhetorical. I was just saying hello. And we didn't really want to know. Uh, would you agree with this statement? Deciding to be happy the motivation beside, behind be deciding to be happy really comes with feeling secure. We, when we feel safe, we're happy. Almost all anxiety, if you just look at your life, my life, everybody, is that when we were stressed out over something that makes us happy or on the pursuit of being happy is being threatened. Somebody comes by and says, I'm going to do this. And you know, if they get away with it, it's going to be an unhappy day to most people. So we would say being secure is one of the basics of being happy. So we all have the pursuit of security. To have everything uninterrupted, tranquil, peaceful, and don't rock the boat. And we avoid people in situations that we think might rock our boat or make us unhappy. It's that important. Money is not what we want. We want the happiness that we think money will bring. Getting married is not what we want. It's that we think that getting into a relationship that's, that's mutual, uh, mutually beneficial, that'll make us happy. So we pursue things when people say, don't do it. She's not this and he's not that and... Don't go into this business and this, that, and the other. We do it because we have an underlying belief that will make me happy. Are y'all relating to this? This is, this is how we all are. 
And God made us. He wired us. So he must have wired us of how to get happy. And how many of y'all would believe that God's simple? He's easy. It's plain. It's not complicated to get happy. It's not complicated. So a lot of the things that we said, if I could just do this and just have that and just be this, it's complicated. And that's just probably not going to happen. They talk about uh, the man that, that lived his whole life climbing the corporate ladder, which means to, to be at the head of it, and got to the top and found out he was on the wrong ladder. That would be true for a lot of cases. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, the Lord Jesus himself is giving us this key. He says uh, in verse 24, let's read it together. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Well, the word there, mammon, as you know, is a, is a euphemism in that culture that talks about money or things or whatever. And it represents security. And the Lord Jesus says you cannot serve God and chase worldly security. But I want to be secure. That's what will make me happy. He said, well, you can go the world's way. But he said, uh, you'll serve two masters. You'll hate the one and uh, love the other or else you'll hold to the one and despise the other. So we talked about how that's strife and with strife, there's every evil work. Ecclesiastes chapter four, don't turn there, but just look at it. It says two are better than one. Can we say that together? Two are better than one. So you're a hot shot. You're a big dog. You, you, you think the world hangs off of you. But the Bible says that you're not the end of all things, that two are better than one. And when you get two, when you when you hook up with two, River Church or an employer or a wife or a, a church member, you hook up with uh, someone. Hook up, I mean, you you join yourself. You got to yield some. Some of the hardest people to get married are old bachelors. They are way set in their ways. You get a 65-year-old man that's been by himself a long time, who cranky and hard to change. And I am the exception. Hallelujah. But uh, so so two are better than one. And it goes on there in Ecclesiastes said if one falls, the other one's there to pick him up. We need people in our lives. So he says you can't serve God and mammon. Two are happier. I would say if two are better than one, I would say two are happier than one. Now, I know some people says, I don't need anybody. I'm going to live my own life. Yeah, but nobody's, everybody's afraid to tell you you're cranky. You're hard to get along with. You're obstinate. You're, you're, yeah, all that stuff. Turn with me to Philippians, if you would. Philippians chapter four. Two is happier than one. Two are happier than one. Philippians. No man can serve two masters. Now, if you, if you believe that, then you got to know that you, you got to either let the Lord Jesus go or you got to let the world go. But straddling the fence is not going to work. 
Would you and I agree that most of our unhappiness is the result of trying to work both systems? To be a Christian, oh, Lord Jesus, I love you. You're the man. You're the one. I, you're, you're my master. You're my Lord. But then just ignore him. Just completely discount him when we go through life. Get into relationships or get into businesses or, or buy things that, that it's not good. Do things. We've all been there. We've all been there where we stepped off on our own. Because Jesus was not Lord or Master. He was the co-pilot. And he did have an input, but I, we didn't think he knew best. So let's look at something I want to call this morning, based on two are better than one, the covenant. I believe, and you can, we'll look at scripture, that being in covenant, say covenant. Being in covenant, which is more than an on and off relationship. It's more than two people that meet and go together and, and then, you know, relate life, just life. You have good friends, medium friends, and bad friends. You have people that you once knew but you've forgotten about. Uh, I called a man that I hadn't talked to yesterday. Uh, I hadn't talked to him in six or seven years. I called him up. He wouldn't answer my phone call the day before and the week before. So I called his wife and she wouldn't answer me. And, uh, but he answered yesterday on the fifth ring. I never let it ring five times. And I told him, I said, hey, I, you don't have to ever see me again. But I want to know is if I've done something or haven't done something, I want to make it right. I either want to explain it or repent of it. I am fully able to repent of things because I know we've all hurt people's feelings and, and everything. And the last time I talked to him, he was cranky. He's like, huh? Ah. So I knew something was wrong. But yesterday, I just said, I want to repent for anything that you know of that I just, I stepped over in it, didn't know it or didn't realize it. And he turned into warm butter. He was smooth. He said, let's, Let's go to Bright Star together. Well, that's kind of the top of the stack for let's get together. Hey, hey, hey. So I'm just telling you, we're all right now needing somebody. And we need to fix things with people that are wrong, that are broken. And just, I said, I don't have to ever see you again. But I do want peace in my life. I want to be happy. And he said, well, I want to be happy too. And he said, it thrills me that you called. So there's that, that's everywhere. So it's, it was easy. It was easy. I didn't know him anything. He didn't know me. We just had to fix it. And it makes, and so I fixed that relationship, but it's the springboard to fixing other things. That thing was in the way. That was, you know, if you're barefooted and you find a little gravel pebble on the sidewalk, you always know where it is, <laughs> even though it's a pebble. Philippians chapter 4. I want to talk about covenant talk. And it says in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect to want, for I've learned in whatever state I am wherewith to be content. I, both know, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things. Listen, listen. 
I am instructed to both be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Sounds like somebody that's happy all the time, doesn't it? Would y'all say? He said, it doesn't matter what's going on around me. I'm happy. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Let me read it out of the message. It's amazing out of the message. Listen to this, just or read it. I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess. He said, I'm far happier. Well, you must have got a big birthday present. They must have showed up at your meeting. They they must. uh, He said, happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned. Look, look, look. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstance. So we can learn it. You can be dumb as a rock, dumb as a post, and, and, and the Lord just try to get wisdom to you and, and you can resist everything. That's those cranky old men I'm talking about. And by the way, there's some cranky women too, but we'll not talk about them today. And then he goes on, I'm just as happy with little as with much. Can we say me too? All right. With much as with little, I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Well, so there's there's a key to happiness there. He said, oh, last month was pretty rough. I didn't have much. So I, you know, it was a hard time, grumble, grumble. He didn't say that at all. I have. Have you? Saying, oh, this is tough. My boss is cranky and this, that, and the other. It's like, has nothing to do with me. So I can say, I am happy all the time. It's important. I think you've tapped out. I think when you're happy all the time, there's a lot of coasting in that. Because you're somebody. Everybody wants to be happy. So when they get into your life, when you get into their life, and they see that despite what's going on around your life, you're just happy. Well, faith works in that. Love works in that. Patience works in that. If you just decide to be happy, if you just decide to be happy. Happy is a decision. Not a, not a circumstance. It's a reaction. I react to whatever's going on around me, just like you do, and say, ah, let's pay no attention to that. I'm happy. Praise God. So that's covenant talk. Let's look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you got just a minute, go there with me. First Samuel. Now, I don't know where it is. I can tell you that in my Bible, it's page 276. <laughs> You'll just have to wander around in there until you find 1 Samuel 17. This is the story of David and Goliath. And so we all know, we all been to Sunday school, and we know about David slinging the rock and, and uh, winning the battle with a huge enemy. But there's a lot more to it than that. There's covenant talk. And if you'll get this covenant talk in you and me, 
if we'll get covenant talk, if we'll look more than just the, the ebb and the flow of the waves on the beach or the, the, uh, the hesitation and the going and the back and forth of life and just say, I'm in covenant. Covenant is something that's not able to be broken without severe consequences. We as Americans, maybe all people, are pretty fluid about whether we have a bad mood or talk back to somebody or withhold our affection or not answer the phone. That's happened to me this week. Just didn't answer the phone. Just, you could tell they were just deciding what are we going to do with him? Because when we pick it up, we, we got to have something to say. We either got to go this way or that way. And so they just couldn't answer it. And I just kept calling back. I guess they thought I was a soap salesman or something. But uh, <laughs> verse 17, verse, chapter 17, verse 26. Look, look at this story. The, the Philistines are standing off with the army of Israel. And they're sitting there staring each other down. What are we going to do? Are we going to kill all these people on both sides? By just going in with our spears and swords and just seeing who can outlast the others. And the, the Philistine, the, the army against God, said, we'll send out one man, you send out one man. And however that goes, we'll just say that, that plays for everybody. That way all of us won't have to die. And so David in verse, uh, where is it, verse 26. Let's see here, 26. David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man? Remember, this is covenant. What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? How many of y'all know he had winning on his mind? Killeth the Philistine is, uh, is our words of speculation and action. It's like, I can do this. What does it pay? And taketh away the reproach from Israel. That, now, that's it right there. Then he said, for who? So he validates the covenant. He validates who he is with God. He, he recalls it. He brings it up and says, I need assistance in this situation. We're going to reach back to the covenant that has never failed me, that has never fell short. And we're going we're to enforce it right here in our life. He said, uh, for who is this uncircumcised, this non-covenant, didn't have a covenant with God, Philistine, that he should, how dare him, defy the armies of the living God. He said, this isn't a fair fight. We got God on our side and he doesn't have anything but a bunch of ugly, hairy-legged boys behind him. This, is, this shouldn't even be on the table. But he said it when nobody else could say it. It was true for everybody, wasn't it? It was true for the king. Who shall defy the armies of the living God? Who is this out here, these Philistines? They have no covenant. We're, we're God people and they're not God people. But nobody thought of that. And so I'm telling you, they were all having what we would call an unhappy moment. Because they had no covenant. Two is better than one. Two implying there's some sort of relationship there, not just two people in the mall at the same time. It's talking about that you and I join ourselves. We give up something. They give up something and we give everything to them. We give whatever you got is mine, but whatever I got is yours. And you join yourself. Now, a lot of people don't think it's that way, but they're not really in covenant. Covenant is when all that you have is another's. 
your affection, your wisdom, your time, your your chainsaw, whatever they want, you know, is like, ah, this is a ah, this is a new a new chainsaw. Yeah, I hadn't even got, you know, yeah, you can have it. So look in verse uh, 34. So how'd this go? And David said unto Saul, the king, thy servant, me, kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. That's what bears and lions do, do isn't it? And I went after him. Well, there, that's pretty bold right there. When's the last time you went after a bear and a lion? And delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him. I killed him. <laughs> and slew him. I made sure he was dead. Thy servant slew both the lamb and the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of those, seeing, here's why, here's why he'll be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God, the covenant God. We've, we've met before, we've made arrangements before. God came to us and said, would you dance with me? And, and Israel said, we'd love to. And they, they, they joined up. And they said, we're going to obey God's laws, his commandments. We're going to we're going to we're going to do it God's way and God will be our God. Uh, let's see where we are here. Uh, verse 37, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Well, how many of y'all know David was happy? He's going out there for the battle of his life. But actually, he'd already been in two pretty little rough scrapes. A bear and a lion, I don't know what you think about them, but they're, uh, they're about as scary as they get back in that day. It's like handling uranium now or something. And David just said, I'm in covenant and I'm happy. So I'm going to propose to you, family, this morning that one of the underlying foundations of your happiness comes from you having a security of two being better than one and you know that everything you're in covenant with with that one God everything he's got is yours including his angels for protection including his manna for for bread for for including sleep at night and rest you can just rest that makes you happy getting drunk doesn't make you happy Makes you weird, and then, then, then you got to repent to everybody. <laughs> Smoking wild stuff, it, I, they say it's got a lot of pleasure in it. I'm sure it does. But it doesn't make you happy. It makes you high. Driving fast race cars, whatever people do. People do all sorts of things because they say it gives them a thrill. It gives them a, a jolt. It gives them a, an escape. Why do we need to have an escape? Because we're unhappy. People escape from unhappiness and escape it by running out and trying to do something that is very euphoric. I, I saw a picture of a woman yesterday, 103-year-old woman jumped out of an airplane with a little bag on her back. She's the oldest woman or person that's ever done that. Now, there was a man back there with her. But Deborah said, I would have just let that little milestone go. <laughs> but she said, that's going to make me happy. 
What makes you happy? What are we doing or what are we entertaining or what are we wishing for secretly or non-secretly, financially or in relationship or with a career or our, our self-esteem, who people think or who we want people to think we are? What is our motivation to, to be happy when none of it is, it's proven that it can't make you happy. Do you all know all these people that have done all that? Maybe you have done some of them yourself and you go, that didn't last long. Getting drunk doesn't last long. Maybe too long, but. And then it's all over and you got to clean up the mess of your life. And so it's like, that wasn't it. Why do that? Uh, uh, cheating on your wife or cheating on your husband? Well, that's, that's fun. That's a fling or whatever they say that is. But it doesn't make you happy. We all know that. So we've kind of developed a thing that says there is no real, true, long-term happiness. But I say there is. His name is Jesus. And it's not enough just to be born again. Now, we are happy. We're not going to hell. Way happy, actually. But people all the time forget that and get involved in things that they shouldn't. So David, here's what David said. This is, this is covenant talk. Would you all agree this is covenant talk? He said, how dare him defy the armies of the living God? We're in covenant. He's never failed. He cannot fail. He will not fail us. This is a slam dunk. How, Philistine, Goliath, how do you want to play it? It doesn't matter. We can do it any way you want to. But you're going down, son. You're going down. Well, that's what's in your life. Well, these are hard times. COVID's here and you know, inflation's there and gas is up and everything. It's like, and your point is, I'm in covenant. It doesn't matter if it goes to 16 gallons a, a dollars a gallon. We're going to we're going to go to we're going to drive to Alaska. Cuz it makes no difference. Well, why is that? I'm in covenant. I've taken my one and only life and joined myself to him. And then I'm I'm married. I'm in covenant with this woman. Well, there's a lot of commitment involved. Now, a lot of people don't give the commitment. They said, let's get an arrangement. Let's see how it works. Let's have a test run. But that's not covenant, and that won't make you happy. Shacking up or, or, or road testing or whatever people do instead of that, it, it works. It's, it, it's an arrangement. It works, but it doesn't make you happy. Where did that come from? Let's go to Genesis chapter 15. Y'all got a minute? I'm just about out of time. You know, that's such a relative statement. I'm just about out of time. <laughs> chapter 15, look in verse 8. Now we're going to talk to, about Abraham. He said, uh, God's promised him everything. He said, you're my man. Abraham, you're my man. Well, uh, how much am I your man? Well, as the stars of the sky, count them if you can. Sands of the sea, count that if you can. And that's how much I'm going to bless you. 
And verse eight, he said, Lord, the Abraham said, Lord God, where shall by shall I know that I shall inherit it all? Because it was blowing him away. Now, listen, we got used to it because they've watered it down. But when you read the new covenant, when you when you read what's in your covenant, when you read about the new birth, when you read about being in Christed, you should be blown away. Exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Now that ought to blow. That's stars in the sky and sands on the sea. That's what that is. You, you and I cannot get our head around that. All that I ask or think, you're going to go beyond that. We don't believe it. Respectfully, I'm going to say we don't believe it because we would have our mouth open all the time. We just get as close as we can and say, well, yeah, I'll pray and we'll see what God will do. That's not exceeding abundantly above. That's not thoroughly furnished for every good work. But here it says in chapter 15, uh, verse 9, he said, Take me a heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. He took all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said to, let's see where we're going. He said unto Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. And so uh, let's see where we go to verse 18. Verse 18. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying unto thy seed have I given this land and the river of Egypt and all that. Well, that just happened in 1948. Israel became a nation. You go, well, God, that's a long ways back to Abraham. That's 4,000 years since he talked to Abram till 1948. He came through. And he'll come through for you. And he cannot fail. It'll make you happy once you know that. Listen to me. Once you know that, we're not talking about a head thing where your neurons are transmitting all sorts of messages to the other neurons. We're talking about down here when you know I am a covenant man and I got this. How can you get an anxious thought there? What are we going to do? What are we? Oh, how's it going to go? The government's this, the president's that, and the Congress is this, and what are we going to do with my job? It's like, who are you? Who, how, why are you saying that? Who are these Philistines that defy the army of the living God? We got some catching up to do. If you want to be happy, and I know you do, we all do. That's what's in us. It's what's in us. To please God, we say that'll make us happy, and that's true. But we want to be happy. Uh, I got another scripture. Can I go to another scripture in Galatians? Uh, or I'll read it to you. Galatians chapter 3. Let, Barry will put that up there and I'll just read it to you. And you'll be so glad I did. This covenant we're talking about. What is in the covenant? It says in verse uh, 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. And the implication there is the broken law. 
being made a curse for us. When was Jesus made a curse for us? On the cross. Everything that was ever done was being done and will or could be done by us today, tomorrow, and the next day fell on the Lord Jesus Christ on that cross. He didn't just die. He didn't just die. He gave his life. It's different to be murdered than to give your life. And it says, Blessed, Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree, the cross, that the blessing of Abraham, there's that stars in the sky and sand in the sea guy, come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I got it. Two is better than one. We're in agreement. I don't know why he liked us. Let's not debate it. Let's just say he does like us. He sees more in us than we see in us. But he sees it. So let's leave it alone. Verse 29 says, and if ye be Christ, how many of y'all, if you be Christ, there we are, we're all over the house. Then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs According to the promise. What's the promise? It's in Genesis 12. He said to Abraham, you are blessed to be a blessing. Well, we're heirs according to that promise. I am blessed. Well, if I'm going to be a blessing, bless the Lord. I got to have some stuff to bless with. And to have some stuff, I'm going to have to be happy. Otherwise, I'm going to camp on it. I'm going to gather it up close. I'm going to protect it. I'm going to say, you can't have it. It's mine. This is my money. This is my stuff. This is my time. And I'm going to hold on to it because there's just so much of it. There's not enough to go around. I said, you're blessed. I'll even give you your tithe. I'll put that money in your money. It won't shine like like in your check. It'll just say a thousand dollars. But it was really nine hundred and I put the other hundred in it. Then he says, I'll give you seed to sow and bread to eat. He said, I'm not even requiring for you to take it out of your stuff. I'll take it out of my stuff. I'll give you seed to sow. Put in the offering on Wednesday. That's the money I put in your life so that you could put it in my life so that we could maintain the covenant. So nothing can get between us. He said, I'm good, good, good. God said, I'm good. And if you don't like what I'm doing, I'll do gooder. I'll just I'll just find something else to make you happy. He's in the happy business, y'all. Let's get all this spiritual stuff about God. Jesus was on the cross and he suffered and he looked at us saying, I did this for you and all that. Nah, it was a victory. It was a victory. Jesus on the cross was the victory for you and me. And then he was raised from the dead. So he didn't lose anything. He died, but he was raised from the dead. So where is he at? What, what's the poor place that the Lord Jesus is at? It's called the right hand of the father. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm happy all the time. How is that? Did you get a raise? How's that? Did you, did you, someone pay off your house? How is that? None of those things. I'm happy because I decided to be happy. I decided to believe. Every unhappy person is a person that doesn't believe. They don't believe that two is better than one. All their problems are their problems. All their challenges are their challenges. Well, that's not the way it's supposed to be. The Lord Jesus looked at every one of these things that you're facing and said, I can, I can fix that from here. And so he did. He defeated sin. 
heaven thinks that the sin problem is solved. He defeated sickness. He defeated it. Well, you know, the doctor says this and said, I'm going to have to do that and all this sort of stuff. There's a lot of that. He defeated lack. He defeated, maybe defeat is not the best word. He overcame it. That's the world system. He defeated short life. He said, with long life, I'll satisfy you. He defeated accidents. Lift you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. He defeated demonic activity against your life. Witchcraft. He defeated it. The devil will threaten you and say, ah, I'm going to get you. I'm going to take you out. No, you're not. No, you're not. Jesus took that at the cross and he solved the demonic witchcraft problem. The Bible says he made a show of the devil openly among his own things down there, those demons. So I'm in covenant. I'm in covenant with almighty God. We, you, can't, you can't get a razor blade between him and me. And I didn't do anything. All I did is sign up with Jesus. And the, and the Lord said, well, since you signed up with Jesus, I'm going to give you all of heaven. Everything I got is yours. He said, I want everything you've got, but you can just consign it to me by faith. Uh, I'm, a, I'm in covenant with the body of Christ. It makes a difference. They're not in River Church. What do you mean? They're in the kingdom. They are brothers and sisters. Let me just tell you something. They are more covenant than your natural blood brothers and sisters if they're not born again. You were just old number three that popped into the family behind number one and number two and number four. That's just a natural thing. You, you wouldn't know if your parents were really your parents unless somebody told you because you don't remember. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me, stop me when this isn't right. Everything you know about your natural family, someone had to tell you. So you don't know anything. I've always said I would re-choose if the Lord let me have a way. I <laughs> so, but, but here we are in the body of Christ. We are joint heirs with Jesus. And God is our Father. Our Father. And then lastly, or not lastly, but in addition to, we're in the local church. And we didn't choose that either. We don't have an application process that says, we want to see, you want to join? Well, we're going to see if we want you to join. The Word says, I wrote it down, I knew you'd want to know. Now God hath set the, the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased Him. So I'm here by divine unction. You're here by divine unction. You might not have chose me. I can be a little scary sometimes as far as, uh, you know, like what is he doing? What is he thinking? What is he bringing? It all works out, but sometimes there's a little tense moment here and there. But I, there's been people at River Church that I wouldn't have chosen. Matter of fact, I was asking the Lord if he would unchoose them. That surely there's some people somewhere that need punishment that he could send that to them and that would take care of them. <laughs> uh, I heard yesterday or the day before uh, from, some, from some women 
that talked about the core and uh, said that several large churches in America had imploded and failed, had dissolved because everybody had become so seeker friendly, so seeker oriented that there was no core in the church and everybody was just a scattering or a, everybody was there for fun. And then when, so when the devil or when the a controversy or something came in, the word says the flock scattered and there was nobody there to sustain the church. Oh, the pastor was there, but he, you can't do it with just a pastor. You have to have a core. And then I, I, they were talking about uh, that universally, and this is just my experience as a pastor talking to other churches, pastors, that actually since this COVID or this new change in where people just don't go to church, they, they quit going for one reason and then never came back, but said universally that the church is happier without all that fluff, all that grumbling and murmuring and carrying on and anti, rubbing against the, 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 since those people were gone, didn't, didn't remove them, they just didn't come back. The church was happier with just the core. And you go, yeah, but all that money that the church doesn't have, they said that wasn't it at all. And it's certainly not here. All that fluff was costing something because we, we're doing good. And these other churches that, that we're talking, contributing, said, yeah, our church is stronger. We, we get up and say, let's go do this. And everybody just says, we're in. Whereas it used to be, there was a, a line down the middle. Y'all know that Baptist church I keep telling y'all about that uh, was getting new carpet and they had such a fuss over it that they put a seam down the middle of the aisle, purple over here and gold over here. Boy, don't you know the Lord Jesus was proud of them. The spirit of compromise had come in on them. So, uh, we're in a good place. I'm in a good place. I assume you are too. And if you're not, fix it. Because you're never going to be happy if you keep pursuing things that can't make you happy. And you'll run out of life. You'll run out of time. You'll run out of energy saying, if only I could have done that, I'd have been happy. More than anything in the world, I wanted to be happy. And come to find out she couldn't make you happy. He couldn't make you happy. Let me tell you, your kids can't make you happy. That covenant that we talked about between a man and a woman, that's not between parents and children. They're not covenant. Now that's a, bitter, that's a jagged little pill to talk about, but they're not. You love them, God bless them, but if they, if they take off and join the circus, <laughs> they take off and they are the circus. It doesn't matter. I mean, you, you, you pray for them, you love them, you, you, all those things that are right and good, but you're not in covenant. But a husband and wife are in covenant. There's a covenant there. And that's what the vows are when you are up at the altar. It's not yabba dabba do. It's not like, well, this. I've seen so many marriages where they got up there and they just yacked around and jacked up the, you know, poems and this, that, and the other. It's a covenant. And you get married, you're, you get married, you get consummated, 
by the words. So if you didn't say no words, you, you're not in covenant. I'm going to get in trouble here in just a second. I'm going to quit right there. Well, anyway, if there's no core, there's no covenant, and then there's no church. So I want to thank you for getting out of yourself and giving yourself to the kingdom, the body in general. Listen, we have something to talk about with the Presbyterians, the Episcopalians, the the Church of Christ, the Methodists, the Baptists, we like them all. And I'll tell you another thing, since I'm out of time. It doesn't really matter what anybody believes, unless it changes their behavior. It's going to be the way the Word says it's going to be, no matter what you think it's going to be. Well, mid-trip, post-trip, pre-trip, it doesn't matter. It's not going to, it's not going to matter. It's going to be what it already is going to be. And the church is going to prevail. And truth will always win. And we can be happy. We can be happy in the middle of trouble. You ever had trouble? Sure we have. And it's there that we learn to decide. I have been abased. I abound. I've been rich. I've been poor. It doesn't matter. I am happy all the time. So let's be happy. Church, let's be happy. Next week, I'm going to talk about friends. Friends are a big part of you and I being happy. We need friends. And there's all kinds of levels of friends. Not Facebook friends. <laughs> 36,522 friends. Oh, you hadn't got somebody you can borrow a cup of sugar from. <laughs> so, Lord, we thank you that you have made a way where there seems in this world to be no way. You've made a way for us to be happy. Lord Jesus we throw off all gods, other gods, all things that are between us and you. We, we get rid of them. We say no more. You're the only one, not just the main one. You're the only one. But some of these other things we know you add back to our lives to make us happy once we've made you Lord. So hallelujah. We thank you for a great life now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, isn't Jesus wonderful? He's wonderful. And it doesn't matter if somebody doesn't think he is. He's wonderful. He's everything. He's everything.